But greetings in the Master's name. I was thinking about faith and works, and we have this lesson coming up, the third lesson, Faith at Works. We're very familiar with this. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead. I'd like for you to think about something. Now, not so much right now, but um, faith, if it hath not works, is dead. Works, if they have not faith, are what? Think about that. How would you finish that? Works, if they have not faith, are... So, just something to think about. The message this morning is titled, Truth in Love. And uh, maybe you were expecting to uh, finish up that those uh, thoughts on uh, called and chosen and faithful. And still hoping to do that sometime. Um, next time I'm scheduled to preach is July the 4th. And I was thinking a little bit about that. And, you know, maybe the Lord will have something else by that time. But I was thinking about... what the Declaration of Independence says, you know, we have certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. I was thinking about preaching about that, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and what our inalienable rights are. So, I don't know. Like I say, Lord might have something else by that time. Um, truth and love, and the reason I'm preaching on that this morning is because, well, partly, uh, that... Um, our Wednesday evening discussion on uh, our vision for the church, and and Brother Philip had referred that, to that in one of his his the, the questions he sent us um, about how to speak the truth in love, and that that's from Ephesians four fifteen. Uh, but anyway, that was one thing, and then another thing that got me thinking down this line kind of was um, there was a discussion I was involved in email discussion and. Uh, Um, anyway in the exchange then another brother he chimed in and said uh, um, I, don't, I didn't go back and review it uh, but it was like um, let's be careful where this is going <laughs> and uh I think it was, I, I don't think it was there. I think it was in another discussion one time where we have we, a bunch of ministers together discussing something. And of course, you know, there's different viewpoints. And the one brother said, now, uh, sometimes we get into these discussions and we forget how much we love each other. Let's remember that. <laughs> so, so truth and love, that, that's, uh, so I thought, you know, I, I believe maybe I need to study that. Um, so I did. Ephesians, uh, but the verse in Ephesians there that Philip had mentioned for our uh, Wednesday evening was, uh, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. So just want to look at a number of scriptures this morning. And uh, so that's truth and love there in Ephesians 4.15. Let's turn to Zechariah. Zechariah 8.16. That's the next to the last book, just for Malachi. Zechariah 
in the Old Testament. Okay, Zechariah 8.16 says, These are the things that ye shall do. Speak ye every man the truth to his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. So there we have truth and peace coupled. Uh, see, uh, think about truth. When you major on truth, sometimes you forget truth and love are coupled. And here we have truth and peace coupled. Sometimes truth doesn't always, uh, truth and peace don't always go together either. Now, sometimes, well, what did Jesus say that, you know, uh, sometimes the truth is going to divide. But uh, scripture, all we have these scriptures too truth and love, truth and peace, supposed to go together. Now, turn, turn uh, back towards the end of the New Testament in, in, in 2 John. 2 John, the third verse. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. So there we have truth and love coupled again. We also have the words mercy and peace in that verse, but these, uh, these concepts, truth and love, truth and peace, mercy, they are not, um, I forgot the word, um, I wanted there, but they're not opposites. They fit together. Now let's go to Psalm 85, verse 10. I, uh, I really like this verse. Psalm 85, verse 10. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. So... Mercy and truth, righteousness and peace, those couplets. And could spend a lot of time there talking about how mercy without truth is not tr real mercy, and truth without mercy is not real truth. And, and so things, same thing with righteousness and peace, but that's not the subject. But just noting that we have mercy and truth, and righteousness and peace. Now we'll go to Proverbs and look at a number of verses in Proverbs. All right, Proverbs 3, verse 3. Proverbs 3, verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. But we have mercy and truth coupled together there. Um, so when we're speaking, when we're speaking truth, you know, we're standing for truth. It shouldn't be done in a way that forgets mercy and love and peace. Okay, Proverbs 10. Verse 11. Proverbs 10, verse 11. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life, or it could also be uh, 
the word there, well, could also be fountain. So, you know, a fountain just, you know, it's bubbling out like that, fountain. It says the mouth of a righteous man is like that. Um, uh, it's a fountain of life, his, his, his mouth. But violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Hatred stirs up strifes, but love covereth all sins. And that has something to do with our speech, too. In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. Uh, see, one translation, in the lips of him that hath understanding, said the lips of the discerning. 14, verse 14, wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. And let's see, verse 19. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Multitude of words. What did you, how did Jesus say our words are supposed to be? In the Sermon on the Mount, I think it was, wasn't it? Your yea be yea and your nay nay. In other words, you just... That's not a multitude of words. Okay, verse uh, 23. It is a sport to a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. And... Uh, Again, see, that can relate to our words. People, you say something and Well, you know, I was just joking, you know. And uh, so that, that be careful. It is, a, it, is, it is a sport to a fool to do mischief. Verse 31. The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom but the froward tongue shall be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh forwardness or uh, what is perverse. Uh, the mouth of the, of the just bringeth forth wisdom, and another translation said floweth, flows with wisdom. I, I like those word pictures. Now, back to, back to verse 12. Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. Now, let's look at another verse similar to that in chapter 17, verse 9. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends. You believe in covering sin? I think the Bible says something about that. Right, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But that's he. This is talking about you. 
He that covereth the transgression seeketh love. In other words, when the Bible says a person that covereth transgression shall not prosper, I don't have the exact words there, I'm talking about me covering my own sin. But this verse is talking about you covering the other person's sin. What does that mean? Well, 1 Peter 4, 8 says, And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And that's what the Bible says. So how does that work? Well, one time, I see, I don't know if anybody here would remember, maybe Mark would, well, Merlin and Crystal probably, Brother Byron Shank, but um, he, he, he preached at the Pike, and in one of his sermons, he said, uh, "It's not always. You don't need to always tell the truth." Well, I suppose people whose minds were wondering that brought him back, but um, but he went on to explain. He he taught math at uh, Fort Defiance High School, and he said, "Like if you'd meet somebody, and they would say, how's so and so? You know, one of your students. How are they doing?" He said, "I don't have to tell them everything I know about that student." So you don't always have to tell the truth. You don't have to tell everything you know. Um, and you see this verse here in 17.9. He that covereth the transgression seeketh love. You're not just blabbing other people's weaknesses and faults around. He that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. We like, we like to repeat stuff. Or at least, well, maybe I shouldn't accuse you all, but anyway, I think it's kind of human nature. Okay, Proverbs 12. Verse 5. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. I think I... One of that verse because our thoughts lead to our words. And that word right there means just. The thoughts of the righteous are just. Verse 16. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covers shame. Another translation said, A fool's vexation is known at once, but a prudent man conceals his honor. So a fool... When he's vexed, he really lets it. He can really spout out about it. It says a prudent man conceals his honor. So maybe something did happen to you that was dishonorable. That doesn't mean you just unload on everybody else. Um, conceals dishonor, it says. Uh, verse 17. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. Well, that's talking about being a, a true witness. Verse 18. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. What a contrast. Health or piercings. I think there's a couple more verses along that line a little bit later. Uh, verse 15. Uh, it says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. 
or again, another rendering, a wise man is he who listens to counsel. And so thinking, we're talking about speech here, truth and love, speaking the truth and love, but part of that is listening. And so be an active listener. Uh, when you, okay, so we're talking about speaking, but okay, in conversation, uh, be an active listener. Listen to understand rather than to reply. Uh, so often when there's a conversation going on, we're thinking about what we want to say in response rather than attempting to understand the other person. I, I think you probably know something about that. It's been said you have two ears and one mouth, use them in that ratio. See, there's a verse over here that says, um, Proverbs 18, 13, He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. So, defer judgment until you really have all the facts. And as you are in conversation, as we're in conversation, uh, the goal should be to seek to understand in order to be understood. And when this, this hell, if you've ever tried this, um, it does work often. Um, you're listening to someone and then you say back to them what you understood. And, uh, and so then if you didn't understand them right, that gives them a chance to clarify or it gives them an opportunity to see how what they said comes across. So, uh, and then you can also ask clarifying questions if, uh, if you're not sure you understood what they were saying. Uh, you, uh, you can ask some questions, not, not to drive them in a corner, but simply to better understand it. See, uh, speaking, listening, you should be trying to understand the other person, understand his viewpoint. And I've said already that unless you can understand the other person's viewpoint enough to defend it yourself, even though that's not what you, that's not your viewpoint, but you could explain his viewpoint to somebody else and not twist it. You should be able to understand him enough that well, well enough that way. Uh, and so it's that inner, and so I think it, it has something to do with our, our speaking. Our listening has something to do with our speaking. I, I just remember one situation. Of course, you know, it, it should be a pretty routine thing, I guess, but um, I was in a setting one time where they said uh, this certain person often weren't quite sure what he was getting at. Uh, kind of had some, maybe some agendas or something uh, where you weren't quite sure. And I wasn't doing this, I, wa I wasn't um, uh, really uh, really thinking of this, uh, these principles uh, uh, consciously, but, but he, he, he was saying something and I, I said, so, so what you're saying is so and so. Well, not really. And then he went on to explain himself better. 
and it, it came out what he was. And there wasn't anything wrong with it, but it came out better what he was, what his position was. Well, let's move on here. Um, Fifteen twenty-eight. A lot of principles, a lot of good advice in Proverbs. We know Proverbs fifteen twenty-eight. The the heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Or the heart of the the heart of the uh, righteous ponders to answer. So when we when we're and I say I, I studied this because I knew that it would be uh, well I just needed to remind myself of some of these things. Uh, so you know when we're talking, is it do we talk from after we've pondered? We speak, or do we just pour out? Seventeen twenty-seven, another one. He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Again, another translation: He who restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. So, yeah, our speech, does it reflect a heated spirit or a cool spirit? 18.2 A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. Is what another translation said. That's putting it pretty, pretty simple. And so we often converse to be heard rather than to understand. Now, all these things come pretty close home to me. Now, I want to go back to this thought in 1218. It says, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. In Psalm 64, verse 3, we have this, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words. The arrows are bitter words. So are my words cutting or healing? Are they sharp words? Sometimes we say, uh, let the chips fall where they will. Well, sometimes our words can make a good many chips. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And Proverbs 16.24 says, Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. What a contrast. Uh, there's this, I was going to bring some, a little something to put in your mailboxes, sort of a, relating to the message, and I forgot to bring it. Maybe I'll bring it next Sunday, but <clears throat> I typed off a couple of these things here I'm going to read. But there's this little uh, illustration, driving with oil. I wanted to drive an iron bar through a piece of timber. I bored a hole of the right size, but the bar was rusty and the hole was rough. I made slow progress and was beginning to split the wood. 
Then I thought of the oil can. I oiled the bar. I poured oil into the hole. A few blows of the hammer sent the iron into its place. The oil had not diminished the size of the bar or enlarged that of the hole. It only relieved the friction. A few drops of oil were more effective than many blows of the hammer. How slow some people are to learn this. They are intensely earnest, even morbidly conscientious. Everybody ought to see it just as they do, and whoever does not is hammered at without mercy. Such zeal excites friction. Men will not appreciate the truth when they are repelled by the spirit in which it is presented. Let the reformer be careful to have plenty of oil. Let him speak the truth in love. Of course, we know Proverbs 15.1, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of the fools poureth out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Wholesome words. Soothing words. Again, do my words wound or heal? And it says, perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. The idea is crushes the spirit. So are my words crushing or soothing? Proverbs 18.8 says, The wounds of a tailbear, the words of a tailbear are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Another translation said, The words of a whisper are like dainty morsels. You know, this little thing, this dainty morsel, I just got to tell somebody else. Those dainty morsels. And it says, their wounds, they go into the innermost parts of the belly. Proverbs 26, 20 to 22. Where no wood is, there the fire goes out. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceases. As coals are to burning coals and wood to a fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a tailbearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Identical verse to 18.8. You'd think when they were collecting Solomon's Proverbs and putting together, what's the, nest, what's the need to repeat? You don't usually repeat stuff. Well, this one here was worth repeating. Okay, back to Ephesians 4. That 
speaking the truth in love is Ephesians 4.15. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I want to read that from the um, from Weymouth's New Testament. Let no unwholesome words ever pass your lips, but let all your words be good for benefiting others according to the need of the moment, so that they may be a means of blessing to the hearers. Now that's a mouthful. Let no unwholesome words ever pass your lips. Let all your words be good for benefiting others according to the need of the moment, so that they may be a means of blessing to the hearers. I was thinking, you know, cutting words or healing words. Uh, would 10% of my words be healing? And what percent would be cutting? I hope that percentage would be really low. And then maybe the rest of them are just mundane or something. But how many of them are really... All your words be good for benefiting others according to the need of the moment so that they may be a means of blessing to the hearers. Well, there's this little poem you may have heard before, but um, I'll read it. Three gates. If you are tempted to reveal a tale to you someone has told about another, make it pass before you speak three gates of gold. These narrow gates. First, is it true? Then, is it needful? In your mind, give truthful answer. And the next is last and narrowest. Is it kind? And if to reach your lips at last it passes through these gateways three, then you may tell your tale, nor fear what the results of the speech may be. Ephesians 4.15 from the 20th century New Testament. But holding the truth in a spirit of love, we shall grow into complete union with him who is our head, Christ himself. Let's kneel for prayer.